0: Welcome to the Rooted and Reaching podcast, a ministry of First Baptist Church in Charlottetown, PEI, Canada. At First Baptist Church, our vision is to be people deeply rooted in the amazing gospel of Jesus Christ, who then reach out into our neighborhood, city, and the world as we live and share the good news. Here is this week's Rooted and Reaching message from FBC Charlottetown. This is the
1: second week uh, in this series uh, in the book of Amos, as we've heard. Uh, Last week, when we started out this series, we heard how this uh, prophetic book comes straight out of the gate with a series of God-ordained judgments against five different nations. Uh, These are nations that neighbored the kingdoms of Israel and Judah, the divided kingdoms of God's chosen people, the Israelites. And and the the judgments that we, we looked at for these five portray the level of seriousness regarding justice that is inherent in the, uh, in the nature and in the character of God. It's not all who God is, judgment, consequence, but it is who God is in character, according to the Bible. And so when I talk about matters of justice within God's kingdom, what I'm talking about is the act of making right that which isn't right. Returning something to its rightful and deserved place. And I think the other thing for us to keep in mind throughout this series, this might be a hard one, is that justice is far more than fairness. Those two words, we we use them a lot interchangeably, uh, but biblically, these are different concepts fairness and justice. God isn't fair. We're not told to be fair because our God is fair, but to be holy. Our God is holy. Our God is just. He is perfect in His justice. Would any of us truly think it fair that Jesus was nailed to a cross for our sin? Of course, nobody would say that's fair. But it was an act of God's perfect justice as a means of making right what had gone colossally wrong. Namely, our relationship with him. And and as I was writing that that thought this week, it brought to mind the the scene, the quote from the Narnia Chronicles. Where the children in the story are, uh, one of them, Susan, is speaking with one of the characters, Mr. Beaver. And, And they're talking about Aslan the lion, the the Christ figure in that allegory. And she asks Mr. Beaver this about Aslan. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And Mr. Beaver replies, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And so that's what I'm on about this morning, that God isn't fair, but God is just. He is good because he's the king, I tell you. So what God is promising to do and did in fact do to the regions in Damascus, Gaza, uh, Tyre, Edom, and Ammon following the pronouncements of chapter 1 were just and were deserved consequences of people who had determinedly rejected uh, and were rebellious toward God who were perpetrating all manner of injustices to the marginalized in their midst. Those nations had shown through their actions that they didn't regard or perhaps understand clearly the righteousness, the righteous justice of God. And so what I was saying last Sunday when we started out this series is that everyone is accountable to God and oppression of those who are not in a position to speak for themselves or otherwise defend themselves, that is a particularly heinous offense to the God of the Bible. And so when we look with that thought at Matthew 25, verse 40, this is where Jesus taught that whatever actions that we take, helpful or hurtful, against the marginalized, the socially weak, We're actually taking those actions against Him. That's the constant expectation from God through the Scriptures, and it highlights the value that the Lord places on the oppressed and on the persecuted in this world, and of lifting them up from under the thumb of oppression. Not to be fair. More than that, to be just. God is adamant throughout the scriptures about visiting his justice on those who were unjust toward the precious whom Jesus called the least of mine so god's judgments of the nations that neighbored judah and israel that we looked at last sunday now they now they carry over into chapter 2 this week and they're focused on a pronouncement on the people of moab And and there's once again this uniquely poetic phrase. We heard it five times last week. It opens up uh, chapter 2 for us. It goes, Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of... And he names the nation. And for four, I will not revoke the punishment. It's It's something that's repeated throughout here. For three transgressions of, in this case, Moab, and for four... I will not revoke the punishment. It, it's a poetic turn of phrase that is another way of, of God just saying through the prophet Amos, look, it, there are a whole lot of sins that I could talk about with you right now, but let's just talk about one of them. And so Moab receives their own pronounced judgment from God about their moral and ethical failures. And then, and then right after that, the, the litany of messages about pending devastation it it takes this ominous turn for the people of Judah and the people of Israel. Because as verse 4 of chapter 2 opens up, and we're going to read this together, verses 4 and 5, it opens up with that same phrase, thus says the Lord, and it starts out, for the three transgressions of Judah. Things just got really personal for the people of God. Verses 4 and 5 say this. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they have rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes. But their lies have led them astray. Those after which their father walked, so I will send fire upon Judah and it shall devour the strongholds of Jerusalem. And one can almost hear the uh uh-oh in the people of Judah and Israel. Because this was really great when it was all about their neighbors. This was really okay when it was all about them and what those people hadn't done. But now that the white hot spotlight is turned on to them, this is not so much fun. But there's a difference. I mean, there's a similarity to the judgments that God has pronounced now on six neighboring nations, but there's a difference in the way that he's dealing with Judah and Israel. There's a difference why he's dealing with Judah and Israel as he, as he uh, is. While their um, unconvinced, unrighteous, pagan neighboring nations broke laws of human decency and goodness that every person should experience with dignity assured, Israel and Judah had broken the laws of God. These are people who'd been taught generationally for centuries, but had incrementally rejected the very laws of the Lord. And they were no longer keeping his statutes regarding social justices. They were no longer keeping the commands in the spirit that those commands were always intended now, we only read, I only read to you the, the pronouncement over Judah in those two verses there, but make no mistake, Israel, if were, we were to read on, stands just as accused and just as condemned. In verse 6 there, we see a reference uh, to these two kingdoms. Uh, they're sanctioned in verses 7 and 8 for profaning God's holy name through empty, heartless, meaningless worship motions. And then relatedly in verse 12 of chapter 2 of purposely ignoring the voices of warning that came from the prophets that God sent. Add to that their ruthless oppression of the poor their relentless profaning of religion, and the continuance of an oppressive social system, Judah and Israel are in these sections of chapter 2 being told you're going to face the exact same consequences as those six nations we just talked about. Now, I wonder if Judah and Israel thought that was fair. Well, it may not be fair, but it is just. This is the natural consequence of anyone who honors God with their lips but doesn't follow through on those actions from their hearts when they otherwise could. In God's economy, those who do their religious activities an hour a week but don't really let that impact the rest of the week are being treated and judged on the same level as those who have never honored and never known God in the first place. Wow. Let that marinate in your head for just a minute. The person sitting in a church somewhere who through their actions or maybe their uh, inactions or their words actually hates their neighbor and the person who would never consider being in church ever again and hates their neighbor are both judged by God in the exact same way. And it truly doesn't matter if you or I think that's fair or not. That's God's perfect justice. And as I said, things are so much easier to live with when we're convinced that God's words of correction are always for him or her or them, those other people. It gets super uncomfortable when God's word convicts us, highlights our wrongs, challenges our religious status quo, and leaves us crying out to God for fairness in the face of His justice. In the case of the nation of Israel, they'd become complacent, decidedly complacent, about their standing before God. The very things that they'd been taught for generations through the laws of God were precisely the things they weren't doing. And that is just so dishonoring and so offensive to God. It's not as though they didn't know what was expected of them. It's not as though they hadn't been subject to generations of God's law touching on every single area of their lives. And here they are being condemned alongside their pagan, unbelieving neighbors exactly because of that privilege that they had as God's people. They had, over time, begin to use that privilege to bask in material benefits that gained them uh, all kinds of things while ignoring the divine truths that they knew about the treatment of others. I mean, how many places, how many ways did God throughout the, nation, uh, throughout the history say to the nations, stick with me and it will go well with you. In other words, follow my laws, be my people. You'll be blessed if you do that. And in time, I think as it probably is with too many people, once they arrived at the it was going well part, once they arrived at the yeah, we really are blessed part, that's where they stopped. That's, they forgot about the stick with God part. They're going through the motions and they're carrying out their ingrained habits, they're doing the bare minimum that was expected as the privileged people of Israel and Judah, getting their uh, you know, figurative gold attendant star for being in temple or synagogue that week, but never really truly applying God's word to the, to the rest of their lives. And more specifically, to their treatment of those around them who were most in need of just treatment. And so the message that Amos is delivering uh, is that God is about to bring that complacency, those injustices that have become so deeply rooted in their culture to a dramatic end. Look with me, please, at uh, verses 13 through 16 of chapter 2. Behold, I will press you down in your place as a cart full of sheaves presses down. Flight shall perish from the swift, and the strong shall not retain his strength, nor shall the mighty save their life. He who handles the bow shall not stand, and he who is swift of foot shall not save himself, nor shall he who rides the horse save his life. And he who is stout of heart among the mighty shall flee away naked in that day, declares the Lord. Let me say it again. What's going to happen to Judah and Israel is not about fairness. It's about justice under God. These are two separate concepts. Let's talk about fairness for a sec. I would wager that most of us learned early on what we felt was unfair to us. Usually that came when somebody had something that we wanted. That's not fair. The older brother has a bedtime one hour later than the younger sibling. And to the younger sibling, that's not fair. You've never seen precision knife work like two siblings that have been told to split the last piece of cake. One ounce more of icing than the other one, that's not fair. Pro tip on that one. Get one to cut it, and the other one gets to choose first. That's free. Take that with you. That's, you can have that one. Too many adults, though, never grow out of that. Too many adults never grow out of thinking that. Too many of us still live in a way that says, unless we have exactly what someone else has, it's not fair. When we should be working remedy injustices. And that brings us from fairness to justice. Matthew chapter 20, Jesus tells this story about a vineyard owner. He hires some people at the start of the day, like six in the morning, and he promises to pay them a set amount. And as the day goes on, the owner goes out and he hires more people, and he promises to pay them the same amount. And about an hour before the end of the day, he hires some more people, and he promises to pay them the same amount. When it comes to the end of the day, those who started work at 6 in the morning, they're like, oh, this is going to be great. I mean, we worked so much more than these other people. We're going to get so much more than these other people. And the vineyard owner pays them exactly what he promised. And to the one who came on the job at noon, he paid them exactly what he promised. And the one who came on the job at 5 p.m., he paid them exactly what he promised. What he promised. And those who had been there all day said, That's not fair. Vineyard owner says, What's not fair? Didn't you agree to work for a certain amount? Didn't I pay you that certain amount? Well, then what's unfair? I stated the day's wage to every person I hired today and every person agreed to work for that wage, yourself included. That's a good depiction of justice. Nobody being taken advantage of here. Nobody being cheated in any way. Just the opposite. The vineyard owner is in fact going over and above what probably anyone else would do to ensure that everyone gets exactly what they were promised what they deserved, according to the agreement that he had made with them. Not just what they felt they deserved, what they felt was fair, but what was just according to the agreement that was made. And that parable reminds us that God has a standing agreement with his people. God laid down some covenantal terms and they agreed to them. And then since that time, century after century, generation after generation, God had been benevolent, He'd been gracious, and He had been long-suffering with their failure to fulfill the terms of that agreement. And so these prophetic judgments that are coming, they're recorded in by the prophet Amos. Yeah, sure, probably the people were thinking, "That's not fair. We're descendants of Abraham. This isn't right." Well, it wasn't about their feelings. And it wasn't about their lineage. God already knew all of that stuff. This was about people getting their due, getting what was deserved in accordance with the terms of the covenant that they were in with Yahweh. In other other words, this is just an act of justice. In the discipleship resource uh, tool that, that Andrew mentioned before the message, one of the things we're invited to do as well is to explore where, as God's people, we might be complacent, where we might have shifted to autopilot when it comes to our relationship with him, because that's the problem that Judah and Israel had fallen into. We should probably, all of us, spend some time asking ourselves, asking God, what privilege to sustain injustice have we inherited, and what do we do to fix that? Imagine if Judah and Israel had collectively worked toward a just society rather than a systemically oppressive one that held down and cast aside the most vulnerable. What if, instead of placing their hopes and their identity in material wealth or in material might, in self-servingly helping the rich become richer at the expense of the most who, who were in need, what if they had chosen differently? This would be a whole different story that we'd be reading. What if God's people actually lived their lives, now hear me out, like God's people, loving Him above everything and, every, uh, and everyone, loving our neighbor with the same care and concern that we have for ourselves and our families. What if Christians were not in the public square whining about what we thought was fair to us and our gospel mission, and instead just spent our time on gospel mission, helping the Father to facilitate his brand of justice on earth as it is in heaven? What if? All it takes is one intentional act of justice at a time. God's not asking you to go out and solve every matter of injustice that you come across. Anything that's gone wrong in this fallen world, you have to go out by yourself and fix it now. We can't do it all, but we can all do something. An example, as a church, we recently added a, a land acknowledgement statement to the bottom of our church homepage. It says, we at FBC would like to acknowledge that the land on which we gather is the traditional and unceded territory of the Abigail Mi'kmaq First Nation. It's a very small first simple step towards acknowledging historic injustice and oppression toward indigenous people. It's an acknowledgement. You know what? We actually benefit from where our building is located when we consider how the land came to be. We acknowledge it. But that's just one step, right? That's just one thing. That has to be followed by a second step. It has to be followed by a third step, and so on. As individuals, as a faith community, we become increasingly aware through a move of the spirit of the injustices and mistreatments that are being experienced right this second by our own neighbors. And that is what Israel and Judah had failed to understand, what they had failed to implement. So I think today's a good day to learn from their example, to learn from their failures, and for we who claim Jesus as Lord, to choose today to make better, more God-honoring choices in this world, and then to let justice roll down the way God always intended it to.
0: You've been listening to the Rooted and Reaching Podcast, a weekly ministry of First Baptist Church in Charlottetown, PEI, Canada. Our theme music is inspired by Ben Sound. For more information or to support the ministries of FBC Charlottetown, please visit our website, myfbc.ca today. If you found the content of today's podcast encouraging, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and drop us a comment. In addition, consider sharing today's Rooted and Reaching podcast with at least one other person this week who might be blessed through it or become better biblically rooted through it. Until next time, thank you for listening.